It's a form of nosiness, I know. But wouldn't it be great to go down a street or boreen and know about all the houses and fields that you pass? Who lives in them? Who owns them? What stories they trigger off? Well, if you were to go round South Monaghan with Brian Mockin Ward, that nosiness would be well satisfied. My father was principal of a school called Donamine, which is two miles from here. And his aunt, a lady called Miss Ward, was teaching in another school over beside the border. The arrangement was that the four of us and the three neighbouring children would be up here at the crossroad, at Tullyvara Crossroad, and my aunt Miss Ward would come out from Charlie Macross in a little black Anglia car and pick up the seven of us. Miss Ward's car had so much play in the steering wheel that it required two hands to hold it and it would be swing. So it was very unusual in 1951 to see a lady driver and very unusual to see a lady smoker, but Miss Ward did both. So Miss Ward would say, I want to light a cigarette, some of you bigger children in the back hold the wheel, and they would reach in across her and they would hold this wheel. So anyway, we'd travel along here over towards the border and... Um, oh, she sounds like a great character. She was a lovely woman, yeah. And did she spoil you in the class or did she go yeah. extra hard on you? I, I was the only one in her room because I was an infant, but the other six were in the master's room. Oh, and they used to be crying, some of them on the way to school, knowing what lay before them. He was a... Well, he's dead now, I'll just... He'd be physical with them, wouldn't he? Oh, physical. He was a man of extreme cruelty. And I mean extreme... Now, we're coming to a cross here called Flanagan's Cross, and she would come to this very point here, and you and I think around this bend in the second year, Miss Ward would put the car in first gear, and she would be <laughs> swinging this wheel, and I remember one of the lads who was in fifth or sixth class used to be so terrified of going into the master's room. I mean, he was in terror. He would open the window there in the back, and he would try to climb out here, and Miss Ward would say... Hold his legs, hold his legs. He's trying to get out. And we would be holding him, not we, because I was in the front, but my brothers and sisters, they would be holding this poor boy's legs because he would try to get out there. And he, his, his ambition would be to run home across the fields. Or oh, should I remember, children used to wet the floor and everything in the master's room with terror. There's a place back there now, Clonavogie. Clonavogie. Bogie is a soft area, the, the spongy place. There's a word we use around here called fozy. Fozy applies to a softish, boggy place that you're in danger of sinking or to bread that's not fully cooked. Fozy bread or a fozy bog. Oh, that's a lovely word, fozy, isn't it? Ah, fozy. <laughs> and then there's another word, foosy. They get rid of the word foosy, meaning dessert. Would you like, oh. a, would you, would you like a wee foosy? Aye, well, ah, I'll, I'll, have, I'll have a bit of rhubarb there. <laughs> Fousey, Where does Fousey come from? Ah, oh, just a wee pet word. Maybe it's Irish. I don't know what it is. I never saw it written down. It's like gogs for eggs. Aye, right? gogies or yeah, gogs. Gogie, yeah. Aye, oh. go- that's right. We pull into the left here and we look at this church that's called Broomfield. My grandfather in 1913 was asked by a neighbour to do a do best man in there. And my grandfather and the groom were standing up there at the door and they were waiting on the bridal party and a family pulled up in a pony and trap and a father and mother got out and two daughters all dressed in their Sunday clothes. And as the two daughters were walking in through that gate there, the groom turned to my grandfather and said, which of them 
am I getting? That's a literal fact. Which, You're joking me. Which of them am I getting? That's right. If I was a Monaghan man listening to you talking, could I tell what part of the county you're from? Oh, yes, of course. Uh, you'd know that I was from the south end of the county. I think there are three main accents in County Monaghan. South, mid and north. There's a particular word that helps to explain it and to explain the different intonation. Now, where we live in south County Monaghan, an appliance with two wheels is called a bicycle. But ten miles north of us, in Castle Blaney, people don't say bicycle, they say bicycle. And then if you go another ten or twelve miles down to Monaghan Town, they don't say that, they say bicycle. So it's bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. <laughs> what are you thinking about now when you're looking at the countryside? What do you spot that well, I, I wouldn't see, not being from the area? Well, I'll tell you what I'm thinking about. I have a particular thing about road signage and all the misspellings that are in the Irish language version of road spelling, of, of, of signage spellings. And I can hardly drive from Carrickmore Cross to Castle Blaney without getting angry. And not alone that, many of, this, of the words used in the signage are new words that don't exist in the Irish language. And somebody, some civil servant is deciding to rename places in this area. Now that sounds beyond belief, but I could show you three, four or five in this ten mile stretch, this stretch from Carrickmore Cross to Castle Blaney, with incorrect spelling and even new plastic words that don't exist. And it really angers me. Like what? Broomfield. And the Irish word for Broomfield is tablock, meaning a level plateau. And some civil servant has renamed it Ah and Vroom, meaning the place of the broom, whatever that is, but you can get an Irish-English dictionary and look up the word broom, B-R-U for them, but you won't find it. A nonsense word. I'll give you another example. I told you a minute ago we'd go over towards Cullaville. Cullaville is Cullen Villa, the forest of the sacred tree. But somebody, once again, this faceless civil servant, has renamed it Bwalia Vic McCullistown. It means nothing. It's just nonsense. Have you complained to them? I, oh, I've been in communication with Uffig and in the Phoenix Park at least a half a dozen times. It's the curse of the retired man. Well, the, it may be. The, the letter writing retired But man, I'm not impressing them. And I was told a couple of years ago in no uncertain terms that local knowledge and local information were not of interest to Uffig and I can't imagine they said that. I have the letter at home. I could show it to you. You're joking me. Yes. Just excuse me a second. See that word there, uh, Lisnagonian. My grandfather used to live in Lisnagonian, which means the fort of the rabbits. Well, Cunyan is C-O-I-N-I for then, but somebody has respelled it C-O-I-N-C-H-E-R-N-N. No such word. Plastic. Plastic. Quinkin. Yeah, it means nothing. That is no such word. Isn't it there? That's that's Broomfield Post, the former Broomfield Post Office. That's one wonderful lady. She looked after the whole countryside for years and years. Mrs Finnegan. And uh, she was nearly like a social worker instead of a postmistress. My wife was called Sheila, was reared in Armagh City. And she lived in London for 13 years after that. 
So she knew nothing about farming or anything of that nature. The closest she had ever been to a bovine was to see one in the field or in a postcard. But at the time, we were living on a farm and we had cattle and heifers and pigs and so on. But one morning I was heading off somewhere. There was a heifer starting to calve. And I said to Sheila, just keep an eye on that heifer there. She'll be okay, but keep an eye on her anyway. And Sheila said, what does that mean? And a heifer is a, is a cow that hasn't... Having a first calf. Uh, anyway, I said, you'll do your best, she'll be okay. So anyway, I went off wherever I was going, and Sheila went out of the shed, and the heifer was just starting to calve, and she panicked, and she ran in, twisted the little handle, rang Mrs Finnegan in the post office and said, Mrs Finnegan, get me the vet quick, there's a heifer calving. And Mrs Finnegan said, take it easy, daughter, calm down, at the feet out. And Sheila said, I don't, they are, they're not. I don't know whether they are or not. Well, just go back, your daughter, and see. And don't frighten the heifer. It's our first calf. Be nice and quiet. So Sheila ran back out to the shed and back into the house to the phone and said, the feet are out. So Mrs. Finningham said, good. Now, just go out to the shed and take a wisp of straw in your hand. And just as the heifer pushes, you just give a gentle little pull and help the heifer and go nice and easy. Put the straw around the legs. Ah, just give you a bit of a grip. To, to, instead of ropes, just hold on with straw. So anyway, the calf was born and all was well and Sheila went back in and rang Mrs Finnegan and said, Mrs Finnegan, the calf's out and it's suckling its mother and thanks very much, you were great. And Mrs Finnegan said, well, sure didn't I save you £10 on the vet? <laughs> and I came home from my I came home from wherever I was and... I rang Mrs Finnegan to thank her and she said, Ah, that's a great woman you took home with you. She'll be a farmer yet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. There's a place where we can pull in somewhere up here. The old railway line used to run along here. But this incident happened about 1890 or 1892 or 3. My great-grandfather had six sons. And one night, one of them was coming home from some house or a party or goodness knows what. I think we'll just cross the road here. He was coming home from somewhere and a row developed among a number of these neighbours and my uncle, who was called James, was struck in the head. Now, I was told he was struck with a stone, but he was knocked unconscious just along here. This is Drum Goose. The railway line ran there. And he was knocked unconscious and the man who knocked him out thought he had killed him. And he dragged him across the field to the railway track and spread him on the track. And the six o'clock train, is in the morning, the six o'clock train came from Dundalk and crossed him. And the driver got the train stopped. It took a very long time, obviously, but the driver ran back and the parts of the body were still warm. The body was gathered and it was taken down to a house down there now. The house is knocked now, but that's where my grandfather came from originally. And the body was laid out in a shed that had been built some time before that for livestock but the man who had committed the crime he escaped and I, I was told he got to America before the authorities could apprehend him but my great grandfather on a fair day would be in Castle Blaney which is two or three miles down there or else in Cross Midland which is two or three miles the other way he'd be in one of those towns on a fair day and he might have a few extra drinks but he would come home at night and he'd stand outside the house of the alleged murderer and he'd roar in, Oh, murderer, she has killed my son. But doesn't it all sound so brutal? But anyway, that's the story I was told.
This is the River Fane. This forms the border between County Monaghan and County Armagh and then up the road there between County Monaghan and County Loud. And where does it go to the sea? Uh, Black Rock, well, right. in, in Dundalk Bay. Yeah, yeah. Now we'll just stop here on the very border. That's the, that's the border there now. So we're in, we're in County Armagh now and the customs post for the northern side was just where those, see where those weeds are there. You see, it was, it was blown up a few times in the, when would it have been, the 70s. And it was blown up so often that there was no point in rebuilding it. When you're driving around and you're looking at graveyards and you know your family are in there and you're looking at schools where you went to school, but are you looking at the countryside as well and thinking of scarrings and hurts that went on as well? As, as a result of the troubles? Well, as a matter of fact, I, I hesitate to say this, Ronan, but I'll just come out straight and say it. I don't feel sad. A lot of the people who were killed would not have been killed had the border not been there and had the border not stood for the political division of my country. So I don't know whether I'm proud to say this or ashamed to say it, but I do not feel particularly sad for those who were killed propping up a system with which I disagreed. Now, that won't please everybody to hear that, but that's my opinion. This is James Cunningham's shop here. Now, this is where we began our journey. But we'll just go in here now and... Um, so he has handwritten signs for cement oh, and yes. dog food and... This man is open 364 days a year. I don't think he opens on Christmas Day. He and I were at school together and he's a very close friend of mine. What are you doing open on a Sunday? Get a few bob. Make some money. Make money. Oh, There's an good. interesting shop in there. Can Roland. I go in and have a look? Yeah, why not? This is the most incredible shop I've ever been in. You're selling you name it. farm gear. Saucepans, expanding foam for gun round windows, caterpillar boots, and you have bags of onions, yeah. turnips and cabbage yeah. in the fridge, dog food. You can make sandwiches. You make sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I heard a woman prayed for this morning, Mrs. Cunningham. Cullerton. Is that Thomas Cullerton's mother? That's correct. Oh, I see. I see. I wasn't sure who she was. Yeah. Danny Day. Oh, indeed, indeed. What's Danny new? Danny hanging themselves. Oh yeah, no shortage of tragedies now. But it's a very interesting shop, isn't it, Ronan? You wouldn't see many calving, Jack. We're taking a calf out of a cow. All right. So this is like what you were saying about the straw, which she did. Oh, the same, straw. same thing. But you just you hook it onto the calf's front feet, and if the cow's not fit to calf herself, and you've a pair of jeans. Yeah. Seven euro. That's good. Yeah. And you've underwear. The spring is coming. Jack. Spring's coming, Brian. Good to see you. Yeah. It's a great <laughs> painting. Yeah, I know. I'm seem very nosy. That's a paint. What's it, who, it's that a, man's in Portlaoise. He trained three years in Portlaoise, and he's a painter. And that's a paint of uh, it's a steeplechase, a horse in a, yeah. a steeplechase. Yeah, it's a fantastic painting. Is that for sale? Uh, yes, for sale. Give me write me a check for him, and I'll give it him. What's the most unusual thing you have here? Michelle. Hi. <laughs> 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 Jimmy, yeah. we're, we're hitting the road. See you again, James. Bye bye. Have a good day. Oh, that was fascinating.
a big, big field there with about 40 or 50 acres. That was a big Protestant farm belonged to a man called Andy Eakin. Brian Mockin Ward and the area around Carrick Macross in South Monaghan. And he sold off three portions of it for £100 each. And my grandfather bought one of those portions. Brian has made CDs of his stories, which you can get on his website, irishmusings.com. They're in Irish and English. There's a link to irishmusings.com on this programme's page on the documentary on one site on rte.ie. And before Andy Egan, it belonged to a man called Hamilton McMatt. You're talking about the 1800s now. Uh, I ate in something, of course, yes. You've been listening to The Curious Ear. I'm Ronan Kelly.